We are in Joshua chapter 18. In Joshua chapter 18, they're looking at the division of the land in Joshua chapter 18. And we're going to start reading from verse 1. It says, Then the whole congregation of the sons of Israel assembled themselves at Shiloh and set up the tent of meeting there, and the land was subdued before them. So if you look on this map that, that we've distributed, and if you can find Ephraim right in the middle, just above the, the A and the I in Ephraim is Shiloh. So remember the ark, the, the tabernacle was, was based down near Jericho. Uh, uh, they, they had that, that little small base camp in Jericho in Gilgal, and now they're, they're moving it up. They're moving that base camp now up to Shiloh. This is now the tent of meeting. This is where they're going to move the tabernacle. The tabernacle had been moving all through the wilderness with them over these 40 years. And now they're going to set up that base camp in Shiloh. It's going to stay in Shiloh for 389 years. It's eventually going to be... uh, uh, Shiloh is going to be destroyed by the Philistines... Uh, during the days of, of Eli, the high priest, it's going to be destroyed. And then it's going to move to the, the area of Nob. The, the, this is a, a hilltop of Nob. And it's going to stay there a short time. I don't, Nob is not on this map, but I would say that Nob is, is, is just, just it, it's in that area of Benjamin. And it's near Ai. It's near there in, in Benjamin, in that little tribe of Benjamin. That's where it's going to end up moving to. And it's going to stay in Nob a short time. And then it's going to move to Gibeon. And Gibeon is there on the map in Benjamin, near the letter N of Benjamin. And then from there, it's eventually going to move to Jerusalem. The ark is going to move to Jerusalem. But it's, now they've moved the ark to Shiloh, and it's going to stay there for 389 years. And this is now going to be their base camp. Uh, that's where the tent of meeting is going to be, and that's where Joshua is going to, to orchestrate things from. <clears throat> Verse 2, there remained among the sons of Israel seven tribes who had not divided their inheritance. So Joshua said to the sons of Israel, how long will you put off entering to take possession of the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you? Provide for yourselves three men from each tribe that I may send them and that they may arise and walk throughout the land and write a description of it according to their inheritance. Then they shall return to me. They shall, they shall divide it into seven portions. Judah shall stay in its territory on the south and the house of Joseph shall stay in its territory on the north. You shall describe the land and then he goes on and, and, uh, and then he says in verse In verse 7, for the Levites have no portion among you because the priesthood of the Lord is their inheritance. Gad and Reuben and the half tribe of Manasseh also have received their inheritance eastward beyond the Jordan, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave them. Okay, so what he says is that there are seven tribes that have not yet had their their land divided. And you can see the frustration in what he says. He says, so Joshua said to the sons of Israel, How long will you put off entering to take possession of the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you? There are no more massive wars anymore. They've already taken the land. But we're going to see many tribal wars. You're going to see tribes having to assume the territories that's allotted to them. That tribe will fight. They will no longer amass all of Israel to fight the major battles. It is all, all tribal wars now. What he says is that 
that uh, Judah is already established on the south. So Judah has already taken its portion. And you can see that whole bottom portion of Judah, that's already been assigned. He says, he says the, the, children of, of Joseph, the children of Joseph are on the north. Joseph had two children, so Joseph got a double portion because of his faithfulness. Joseph's children were Ephraim and Manasseh. Ephraim and Manasseh. So you see above Judah is a sliver of land, Benjamin, and then Dan next to it. But above that are Ephraim and Manasseh. Those, those are north of Judah. Those have already been taken. So, so Ephraim and Manasseh have moved into their territory, and, the, and on the south, Judah has moved into its territory. The land on the right side of that map, on the east side of the Jordan River, Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh have already taken their portion. So you see Manasseh has a portion at the top of the east side of the Jordan, and Manasseh also has a portion there in the middle of the land, because Manasseh got a double portion because Manasseh was the oldest son of Joseph. He got a double portion in that blessing, and he was a very large tribe. Because remember, the tribes were broken up. The way the land was broken up, just as Joshua said, it was, it was given by lot. So in other words, lot, a lot was chosen, but it was given also according to the size of the tribe. So you took the size of the tribe, they took portions, and they gave it by lot. Manasseh has his double portion, a very large tribe. Below there was Ephraim. Judah has already been given. We've already talked about the division of this. So there's these seven tribes. And so if you look, there's Asher, Asher Naphtali, Zebulun, Issachar. That they're on the north there. And so that's four. And then there's Benjamin and Dan just above Judah. So those are the seven tribes that have not yet taken their territory. Simeon is not going to get any territory of its own because of what we read in Genesis 49, the promise that God made uh, uh, through the prophecy of, of Jacob saying that Simeon and Levi will never be given their own inheritance because of, uh, uh, of their attack on the city of Shechem. So their disobedience in killing men has resulted in this. Simeon is going to get cities that are part of Judah. And you see that, that on the south, Simeon ends up getting that part of the city. We'll discuss that later. But the seven tribes are Asher, Naphtali, Zebulun, Issachar, Dan, and Benjamin. Those are the areas that didn't do it. And you see, again, this frustration. Now, if you look right at the top of the divided land on this map, you see between Naphtali and Manasseh, you see another small portion of land that's given to Dan. We will talk about that in the coming weeks as to what that really is. That came a little bit later. But, but right now, uh, um, you, you can, we want to focus in on this frustration in verse 3. So Joshua said to the sons of Israel, How long will you put off entering to take possession of the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you? You would think that these people would be pretty good at this point of not frustrating the Lord in not taking possession of, of what's before them. Already the tribes on the east side of the Jordan have taken their land. The tribes Judah, Ephraim, and Manasseh on the west tribe side of the Jordan have taken their land. And you have now these seven tribes who are just sitting back and not doing what they were supposed to be doing. So what I want to do is I, I want to look at another verse today in Hebrews chapter 3. We're going to turn to Hebrews chapter 3 and see if... if, if uh, if there's some portion about this that we, we can take a look at here. 
in Hebrews chapter 3, there is a reference not to this absolute occasion, but to the occasion of these people's fathers and mothers who were in the wilderness. Remember, in the wilderness, God had told them to take the land. We read about how only Joshua and Caleb, along with Moses and Aaron, said, let's take it. And everyone else said, we can't take it. It's too much for us. And God said, fine, you're going to die here in the wilderness. That was called, that, that, that was the generation that had come out of Egypt. They were going to die in the wilderness. Every one of them, except Joshua and Caleb, were going to die in the wilderness. And, and, uh, uh, and it was everyone who was 20 years old and upward was going to die in the wilderness. They had died in the wilderness. Now their children, those who were below 20 years old and those who were had come out of Egypt and were below 20 years old or had been born in the wilderness, have now come into the land. Their children are, in a sense, doing the same thing. They have been designated territories to go into, and they have not assumed those territories. That's the problem. That's what's frustrating Joshua. For him, he has seen their parents do this, and he saw them all die in the wilderness as a result. And now they're just sitting there and twiddling their thumbs, not taking the land that's been designated. And this is, this is, uh, uh, th- this is actually spoken about in Hebrews chapter 3. He says, uh, um, we'll start reading it in Hebrews chapter 3, and we'll start reading in verse 12. He, he had already made reference to the, those people who had come out of Egypt and had not gone into the land to take it. And he says in verse 12, take care, brethren. So he is speaking to believers. This is not a book. This is not an epistle. The Hebrew, the Hebrew to the epistles is not to unbelievers, but to believers. He speaks of them as brethren. He keeps referring to them as brethren. If he had been referring to unbelievers, he would not call them brethren. He is speaking, therefore, to us. Take care, brethren, that there not be in any of you, this is Hebrews 3, verse 12, any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that he falls away from the living God. So look at these words. These are really strong words. I'll tell you, if a pastor were to say these words today to a congregation, the way people are soft today, they'd go, they'd get all in a huff and they'd leave the church and go somewhere else where their ears are tickled. They wouldn't go to this, that church anymore. Pastors can't speak like that anymore. But this is the way the guy is speaking. He said that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. So he equates unbelief with evil. I mean, those are pretty strong words. Unbelief, okay, you know, I'm sorry, I don't believe. No, you're evil as a result. I mean, he, he did the equating. I didn't, I'm just reading it. You know, he, he equated unbelief with evilness. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. So he is not talking about salvation. Salvation is there. This he is writing to believers. The book of Hebrews, the epistle to the Hebrews, is written to Jewish believers, believers who have accepted Christ, who are living outside of Jerusalem, around Jerusalem, in in the Judean area, 
and, and, and around, around Jerusalem. And he says, he says uh, um, for we have become partakers of Christ. In other words, I'm not writing to unbelievers. We've become partakers. If we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. So we've become partakers if we hold fast our assurance. Does that mean we can lose our salvation? No. But what we lose is becoming partakers in all of Christ has for us. That's what can be lost. The partaking in all of Christ has for us. This is in reference to the, the, the generation that had come out of Egypt and didn't take the land. So then he says, he says, if we hold fast the, the beginning of our assurance firm until the end, while it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. For who provoked him when they had heard? Indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? So you see what he's saying. It was that entire generation, the Egyptian generation, the Exodus generation that came out of Egypt. He says, they all provoked me by not believing that they could take that land, except Joshua and Caleb. Every one of them. So could it be, could it be that the author is writing about this in the book of Hebrews, as he said, for us, because unbelief to partake in all that God has for us is looked at as sin and evilness. And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Verse 17. Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. So you had an entire generation of people unable to enter the land that God had given them as a land of rest. In other words, you're going to fight for this land. The battles were seven years. It was a seven-year battle. And then he said, you're going to be able to rest. He says, I have a place of rest for you. I have a place of rest. But you're not going to enter the place of rest if there's disbelief. He says they were dis disobedient. He says, see, so we see, the last verse of, of Hebrews chapter 3, that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. These are pretty strong words. If I don't believe God, it is referred to in the New Testament as evil. If I don't believe God, it keeps me from entering a place of peace. If I don't believe the scriptures that he has put forth, there's all this disturbance in my life if I do not take hold of the scriptures. If I fail to take hold of the scriptures, there's disturbance in my life. Let's turn over to Hebrews chapter 4. So in Hebrews chapter 4, the, 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 the New Testament is not broken up into chapters. So they've just broken it up for us for convenience. So this is all part of the same thought. Therefore, let us fear if... While a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of, a, short of it. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us, just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. I mean, powerful words. If you think about this, it's going to make you go, uh-oh. 
I mean, it should just send shudders through us. He says, therefore, let us fear what we need to do. What we need to do. My friends, this is what we need to do. We need to take the Word of God seriously. The Word of God says, let us fear if, while a promise remains of entering His rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. In other words, if we've not entered that place of rest that God has for us, so this is beyond believing in Jesus. This is already to people who have come into an understanding of Jesus Christ. Have you ever wondered why it is that there is little substantial difference between people who say that they're Christians and people who don't claim anything of Christianity? If you just look out in the world, the general population, lots of people, I mean a good portion of the world claims that there's Christians and you'd wonder, you know, what's going on here? How can this be? And so, so he, says, he says that... Um, Uh, For indeed, we have had good news preached to us, just as they also, but the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. This word was not united by faith. In other words, two people, you take two people, both hear the word of God, one unites it with faith, one does not. That's the problem. That's the problem. If we take this word and do not unite it with faith, there is no understanding of the peace that comes in knowing God. That's the difference. Will we respond to the word that has been given? For indeed, verse 2, we have had good news preached to us, just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. For we who have believed enter that rest just as he has said. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has said somewhere concerning the seventh day. And God rested on the seventh day from all his work. And again in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, And those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience. He again fixes a certain day. Today, saying through David, after so long a time, just as he had said before, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. He said he is saying through David today, the word of God speaks. The word of God is not for the past generations only. It is for today. Every word in this book is for today. If anybody should try to convince you that the word of God is past, it is gone, do not believe them. The word of God will remain long after you and I are dead and gone. This word will remain. It will be steadfast and it will remain. And the person who says to you that, oh, you know, you can't trust this portion, you can't trust it, they're going to die too. And this word of God will remain. He says, the words of David are speaking to us today. He says, today, saying through David, after so long a time, just as has been said before, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your your, your hearts. Though David is dead, he still speaks. That's what he says of Abel. Though he is dead, his voice still speaks to me. Though he be dead, he still speaks. 
These men wrote these things given by God. He says, today, through David, if you hear, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Do not harden your hearts. This is what he's saying. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. He says, be diligent to enter this place of rest. What are you talking about? Does that mean I take a Sabbath? What what does it mean? What does he mean? This rest. What is this rest of God? Verse 12. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes with whom we have to do. Every one of us is just split right open and before God's eyes. I am so glad that people around me cannot see what goes through my mind, or I would be terribly embarrassed with all the thoughts that go shooting through my mind. But everything about me, everything about you is open and laid bare before God. God knows everything. And in spite of that, He still loves us. That's the amazing thing. In spite of that, He still loves us. And He says... His word is able to slice us right open. It is His word that slices us right open and is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of our heart. It is the word of God that will bring peace in your life. It is the word of God that will set you in that place of peace. You can say, well, I'll take a day off a week. That's not what He's talking about. You can take a day off a week. That's not what He's talking about, though. Had it been, he would have told you, I want you to be sure to take a day off a week. And he would certainly, if he had said that, he would have had it be the seventh day and not the first day of the week. Because it's the Sabbath is from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. You say, well, I take Sunday off. Fine for you. But what I'm saying is, he's not calling us to that here. What he's calling us back to is the scriptures, is the word of God. You want to have that place of peace in your life? You want to have that substantial difference between yourself and everyone else in the world who calls themselves a Christian? It is the Word of God. The, The Scriptures will remain. You will not enter the peace. I will not enter the peace that God has for me without the Word of God. And I have lots of data points on this in my own life. I'm not a prophet. I just look at data points. That's all I do. If I go without picking up the Word of God in the morning... It shows just a few hours later. It shows in my attitude. It shows in my frustration. It shows in my unbelief. Everything bothers me. Everything. Just complaining about everything. If I start out in the Word of God and take the Scriptures and make it a part of my life, lots of things come. And I don't care. Because I have God. Because He sets my perspective right. The Scriptures are for us a daily meditation. Over and over and over again in the scriptures, it talks about meditating on the word of God day and night and daily. 
day and night and daily. It's put two ways and the blessings that come because of it. Joshua 1, eight, Psalm 1, Psalm 119, verse 97, Psalm 112, verse 1 and 2, over and over and over again, tell us the blessings that come by making the Word of God our daily meditation. There is no promise of blessing for three days a week, once a week, no promise. I don't know if the Word of God is going to do you any good to meditate on it three days a week. I don't know if it's going to bring any blessing in your life. Maybe it will, maybe it won't, but there is no such promise. The promise is for every day. The promise is for every day. Every day meditation on the Word of God. He says it is only the Word of God that's going to take you, slice you right open. And so you look at the Word of God and it's, it's continually saying, uh-oh, I've got to get my life right. The Word of God exposes us. He has a place for us, a place of peace. Be careful. Be careful, he says, lest in any one of us there be this evilness out of unbelief. Out of unbelief. Hebrews 11.6 Whoever comes to God must believe that He is and that He is the rewarder of those who seek Him. Whoever comes to God must believe that He is and that He is the rewarder of those who seek Him. The Scriptures call us to being in the, in, in, in it, in the Word. Look what Jesus had to say about this. Turn to Matthew, Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Uh, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter, chapter uh, um, 4. Matthew chapter 4. And we're going to start reading from verse 1. Matthew 4, 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered and he said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. On every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Go ahead, don't eat for three days. Tell me how strong you feel. You're going to feel really weak. Feel like, oh, I can't do anything. This is how you're going to feel. This is how we are spiritually when we go three days without the Word of God. This is how we are. We don't realize it. We think we're kind of okay. We're not. We're not. Jesus said, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Every one of God's words. This is what fulfills us. This is what strengthens us. This is what gives us our strength. Because what happens without the word of God is we quickly, very quickly, fall into unbelief. You'll start doubting God on all sorts of things when you're not in the scripture. You'll start thinking that God's against you. God doesn't like you. That, that you, you know, he's just setting up things against you. He's got this black cloud just hanging over you. That's what you'll start to think very, very quickly. He says, we live. This is our life. This is our sustenance. Do you see how he is the one who pulls this together? And he says, this is our sustenance. This is what, how, how we are maintained. And we're going to close with this portion. In Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32. And these are the words of Moses, the summary, the summary statement of Moses to the children of Israel. This was his summary. Deuteronomy chapter 32, 
Verse 45. When Moses had finished speaking all these words to all Israel. Okay, so now this is the summary. He said to them, Take to your heart all the words with which I am warning you today, which you shall command your sons to observe carefully, even all the words of this law, for it is not an idle word for you. Indeed, it is your life. And by this word, you will prolong your days in the land, which you are about to cross the Jordan to possess. Moses says, it is not an idle word for you. Indeed, it is your life. The scriptures are our life. It is our life. To them too, he told them, it is your life. And it is by this word that you're going to enter the land and obtain your rest. It is by this word that you're going to excel in your career the way God has for you. It is by this word that you will succeed in your family according to the way that God has for you. And you think, oh, it'll be all right. I'll just marry the right person. All right, tell that to the other 50% of the people in the church whose marriages never last. 50% of the marriages in the church. It's just like in the world in this country. The numbers are no different. What makes you any different than the other 50% in the church? That their families never last. So if you think you're just going to walk into this and you guys love each other, I've never known anybody to get married who didn't love each other. I've never known it. Never say, I hate that person, but I'm going to marry them. I've never seen it. Maybe it happens, but I've never seen it. So the love, just saying I, we love each other so it's going to work, it doesn't happen. How are you going to enter that land and be successful? How are you going to enter that land and assume that place of rest? He says it right here. He says, this is not an idle word for us. Maybe to some it's just nonsense. But for us, this is not an idle word. This is not an idle word for us. Maybe your professor in the Department of Religion, it's an idle word for him. Yeah, you know, this is intellectual exercise. This is our life, the scriptures say. To us, it is our life. This is your life here. Listen what the Word of God is saying to us, lest any one of us enter into evilness in unbelief. That's the way God Himself characterizes this. Unbelief, He says, is evilness. The establishment of knowing Him sets us in a place with Him, but we don't assume anything in being able to obtain it without belief, and understanding the scriptures and taking hold of it. It is God who says our land, the land we take in Hebrews chapter 4, is the word of God. That is the word of God. This is our inheritance, the word of God. Don't despise the inheritance. Don't despise the inheritance. Trust God to fill you with this. Let's pray. Abba, I pray for these young people that you give them a love and desire for the scriptures that would go very deep in their hearts. And Father, that they would not fall into evilness and unbelief. Father, may they be encouraged today, as long as it is called today, to take hold in belief of what you have for them. Father, I thank you that the scriptures open up our lives and expose to us our very selves so that we can agree with you, God, concerning ourselves. 
Father, I pray for these young people that you would draw them into a place of belief in you, of honoring the Scriptures, that they would never forget your Word. Father, that they would not lose sight of the fact that this is not an idle Word. It is their life. Father, I pray that they would take hold of it and then thereby assume the inheritance that has been given to them in Christ. Father, have mercy on these young people, I pray. I pray for them that they would have good careers, good marriages, good families. Father, I pray that they would take the steps to have the blessings of God flow upon them, that they would take the Word of God and make it their daily meditation. And Lord, I pray for those here who do not know You. Father, for those here who who don't understand what the Word of God is and the meaning of it, Father, draw them to Jesus this day, I pray. I pray that right now that they would say along with me, Lord Jesus, forgive me because I am a sinner and come into my life. Open up the Word of God to me and save my soul. And Lord, I commit this time to You for the glory of Jesus. Amen.